All right, I'm going to put these down somewhere. Morning, all. Uh, thank you. My name's Andrew. Andy, if you haven't met me, uh, and it's great for us to be together. I feel like it's nice and warm inside. Um, friends, I'm not sure if you know, you've had some sleepless nights where you've laid awake, wondering, anxious, have I got the correct high priest? <laughs> Is he qualified? That might be the furthest thing from your mind here this morning. And we've come into this passage talking about Melchizedek's, Melchizedek's, Abram's, you know, all these names. Friends, can I just say, Melchizedek is a massive deal for us this morning. Because uh, priesthood is a massive deal for us. It's a major concern for everyone. For all of us. Now, in our culture, if you say the word priest or priesthood, it kind of gets a little bit of negativity air about it, doesn't it? You know, maybe horrific abuse has been recorded. Uh, you know, maybe it's the kind of old style religion. It's just kind of setting its way. There's not a lot exciting when we think of priesthoods in our culture. Even like kind of modern spirituality. If you think about it, we kind of, why would you want to bring all these kind of archaic, rigid forms of worship in how I worship God? I just like to connect God in my own way. I like to kind of do it in my personal way, on my terms. I don't need a priest. What, what, what the heck's a priest? Friends, the thing is, all of us here this morning desperately need a priest. We need someone to stand between us and the holy God, the God who is. Jasper read Isaiah 6 about that holy God. To be holy just means to be set apart, to be different. Uh, God, he's not like us. You know, we like to think of God as just a bigger version of us, slightly better. Uh, but he's nothing like us. He's blinding in purity and goodness. He's like trying to look at the sun it just it hurts so much that it hurts your eyes to look at it. See, God is holy. He's righteous. He upholds true justice. He's always truthful, always consistent. And he's so holy that no impure thing or person can ever hope to draw near to him. Why? Why can't we just kind of approach God willy-nilly, however we want or decide or whatever we want? Because his holiest means that he will destroy us. His holiest means that because we are sinful and he can't stand sin, he will destroy all things evil and unholy in, our, in his sight. Friends, this is the God the Bible reveals to us, one who is holy in time and history. It's not the one we just like to think of or make up. And friends, I know in a moment of honest self-reflection, you know this reality to be true. You know your own heart. You know, there is a massive gulf, even between what you want to be like and who you are, not to mention the holy God. 
It's just crazy that we think we can just waltz up to God however we like, in whatever way we like, in whatever means. Uh, we have totally underestimated who God is and who we are in relation to him. Now, this priesthood stuff, you know, is it really that important? New covenant, haven't we got Jesus? Hasn't he gone away with the old stuff? Well, no. And yes. Yes and no. See, how you think about priesthood and a priest impacts tremendously how you approach God. It impacts your relationship with God. It impacts how much assurance and confidence you can have before God. See, are you here this morning and you think, I don't really need a priest. God and I are fine. He does his things, I do mine. Maybe you're here and, and many of us have kind of grown up in a Catholic church and we've thought the idea that we need a priest to confess our sins to and then have them offer forgiveness and pronounce forgiveness. Maybe you're, you're not, you know, haven't grown from the Catholic tradition, but you kind of feel like you need a pastor or a minister to help you connect with God. You know, just to make sure you're on the right track or maybe to pray a prayer that maybe God would hear more than yours. You kind of feel like you need a middleman between you and God. Maybe you just think, you know, you're a priest yourself. You know, you're, you're doing life well, offering all the right sacrifices, giving to charity, volunteering at school, looking after family and friends. Surely to God that counts for something. Surely God's happy with me. I don't need anything between us. Friends, can I say this passage shows us that we all desperately need a priest to make it safe and wonderful for us to draw near. Now, I'm not talking about me. <laughs> I'm not a priest. I'm not your priest. I'm not talking about the man down the road in robes. Uh, I'm talking about the one and only priest that God has given us in Jesus. He's the high priest that we all need. Uh, and this is what the author wants to argue for us this morning. And he wants us to persuade us how good it is that Jesus has come in the order of Melchizedek, that he's our high priest. Now we're going to dive in deep, so we're throwing away our sippy cups of milk and we're digging onto some Melchizedek meat. Now I imagine, and I know that as I've dug into it, it's been so good for my head and my heart. And I tell you what, I'm praying that we'll be encouraged and strengthen as we come out of it. Now, before we kind of jump into the passage, I want to give us a little bit of an Old Testament kind of overview, just to kind of give us the who's who at the zoo. You know, as you read it, you think, who are all these names? Now, there should be a slide, Andrew. Here we go. Look at this. Mary did a beautiful job pulling this together for us. Here's who's who at the zoo for us in the Old Testament history, okay? 2,000 years ago, you've got Abraham. Now, Abraham, he was the father of the Jewish nation. He was the beginning of the people of God. He's the one that uh, God promised that he would have many descendants to in Genesis 12. Now, above him, I put Melchizedek. We read about him in Genesis 14. He existed before uh, Abraham, uh, and he's the first kind of king priest. Uh, you know, we met him in the reading. We'll, we'll spend a bit of time thinking about him. Uh, but then come forward a couple hundred years... Uh, Abraham had a couple of sons, Jacob and Esau. Uh, Jacob is also known as Israel, just to confuse us all. He gets named Israel. Uh, but he had 12 sons, uh, which became the 12 tribes of Israel. 
And they, all of them but Levi, try, they all get a lot of bit of land in the promised land. Now, uh, the two sons we need to know, uh, Judah, which I've got at the top there, uh, he's the royal uh, tribe, the kingly tribe, and the other one is the Levi tribe, and uh, that's the Levi or the Aaronic tribe. Now, it's a bit confusing because um, Aaron is the first, we'll come back, 1500, my, my, my graph's not quite right, my slide, because Aaron is the kind of the first priest, the high priest, but he comes around Moses because Aaron is Moses' brother, right? So he comes around 1500, at 1500, so a couple hundred years later, uh, and he's from the tribe of Levi. Now, he's, um, you know, that's the system that kind of was set up uh, and that God appointed that only uh, people from the tribe of Levi can be priests and uh, people from Judah can be kings from the tribe of Judah. Now, the confusing thing for us is sometimes it's called the Levitical priesthood and sometimes it's called the Aaronical priesthood. Aaronic, sorry. No, it's ironical. Uh, same thing, right? Same thing. Um, uh, now, you with me? Come forward, another 500 years. So we've come through Moses. 500 years, we're at 1000 BC, King David in the land, the you know, greatest king. Uh, and we've, we, there's a psalm that's quoted in Hebrews 7, Psalm 110, where we read about King David and he uh, was in the royal bloodline, so he's from the tribe of Judah. Uh, and he then, a thousand years, so 500 years after the first uh, priest, he promises that one of his descendants would be the Messiah uh, and sit on the throne forever, so as the king. So that's what he says in, in verse 1 of that psalm, uh, which has been quoted. But also, he says that someone uh, would be the forever priest in the order of Melchizedek. So the one at the top there. So that's the promise a thousand years before, that one day God would send a ruler to be the king forever, but also the priest forever. Um, okay, fast forward to Jesus, another five hundred, another thousand years. Jesus turns up. He claims to be this king and this high priest. He lives the life, dies the death and rose to life, and he gets appointed as high priest uh, and in the order of Melchizedek. There you go. There's a nutshell of how it all fits in. I don't know if that's helped. I feel it. Yeah, it's good. Get a few thumbs up. That's a basic summary of how everyone connects, right? Now, this is the background of what's going on behind this passage. Remember, who is Hebrews 2? It's to people who have converted from Judaism into Christianity. And so they had had 1,500 years of this system of how you relate and how you approach to God ingrained in them. It was a part of their life. It was a part of everything they did. So they had like a reminder, um, a daily reminder, a yearly reminder that God is holy. The priesthood system was like a big sign saying you're not welcome in the presence of God. Uh, you can't just approach God on your own. The sin is a barrier. And um, But th see, the thing that the this system that God set up showed us is not only is God holy, but he's also loving because he gives us a system uh, where people can draw near to him, uh, for sinful people to draw near. And in the Levitical system, it required the priest and the sacrificial system, and they would pray and they would um, offer the sacrifices so then you could draw near. And it was a cycle that happened daily, yearly, constantly reminding us. Now, 
you've come out of this system, you know, like the kids talk, that the priest, for God to listen to them, needed to be legit, needed to be qualified. Uh, he had to be a Levite. And this is, this is what God had set up. And so you can imagine your family that haven't kind of come to follow Jesus, it's kind of saying to you, you know, Grandpa's saying to you, are you sure that this, this Jesus way is all right? You know, you've, you've read the Old Testament, haven't you? You've read the Torah. It has to be a, a Levite. Uh, he has to be qualified to deal with your sins. You know, it can't just be any willy-nilly way that you choose. He has to be legit and qualified. I think this is what Hebrews 7 is trying to show us. Jesus is legit and he's qualified to be our high priest. See, of all the spiritual gurus out there, the priests, the leads, the teachers, how is, is Jesus qualified? Uh, now, to answer that question, there's kind of a wrestle here, because how can Jesus be both the king and the priest? You know, like, uh, the, the Jews are like, they don't mix, they're like oil and water, you can't put them together. Uh, in fact, in history, a king tried to do that, King Uzziah, King Uzziah, and he got struck down, right? He got leprosy straight away. Uh, king Saul tried to do it, and what happened, he got dethroned. So they knew, you know, from history, oh, you can't mix the king and priest roles. And so what does this author do? He takes us to Melchizedek. Now, we're going to jump in now, okay? Um, his argument is, his argument is, you say that, you question it, but we have a precedent of an Old Testament priest who was both king and priest. So Melchizedek is like our precedent, right? So you a Jew reading it. So have a look, verse 1. Have your Bible open there. Jump in. Verse 1. It said, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is king of peace. Verse 3, he is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. You, you kind of hear where, where he's going. We, we want to talk about Melchizedek. Kings, they trace their lineage back to David, priests to Aaron or to Levi. Well, Melchizedek, in your scriptures, the Old Testament, we have a, a king-priest combo. Uh, he's here long before... Uh, David and Aaron were on the scene. Mel Melchizedek, he sets us a precedent. Uh, and so he, he just wants to say, Melchizedek is, he was there in your scriptures. Now, he doesn't have a very big part, does he? What we read today is essentially everything there is on Melchizedek. So who is this Melchizedek? Uh, well, Genesis 14, we read that account. You know, Abraham has this victory in his rescue mission, and then on the road back, Melchizedek turns up. Uh, Melchizedek blesses Abraham, and Abraham gave him a tenth of his plunder, a tenth of, of the goods. And then, next sentence, he's gone. He disappears. Now, Hebrews wants to pick up kind of how obscure this is, verse 3. You know, he says, he, well, he's without father and mother, Mrs. Melchizedek, or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. See, I don't think he's saying that um, Melchizedek doesn't have parents. You know, he wasn't born and, and won't die. 
Uh, you know, some people kind of think he's like an eternal angelic being or a, a pre-incarnate Jesus. You know, so we have a Christ... Hang on. A Christophany? Yeah. I don't think that's what he's... That's not the point of Genesis, and that's certainly not the point of uh, Hebrews here, because he's saying he resembles the Son of God. Uh, I just think he's saying that this guy just turns up, a priest that didn't wasn't a priest because his dad was a priest. It's not a family tradition thing. And nor does he pass his priesthood on. There's no one that's recorded that he passes his priesthood on when he dies. Um, so he's just trying to say, here's a unique priest like Jesus, who, come, who Jesus is exactly like this, uh, which the order that Jesus belongs to. Now he does, in verses 4 to 10, want to show us how this Melchizedek... I need a, what's his nickname, do you reckon? Kizzy? Mel, 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 Mel's priesthood is far superior to this Levitical priesthood. Um, and he's far superior to having some guy in Jerusalem offering sacrifices for you. Have a, have a look in verses uh, 6 there. He, just, he kind of wants to point to his superiority to Abraham. He, and he has two facts that prove it. Firstly, Abraham gave Melchizedek a tithe. Secondly, Melchizedek blesses Abraham. And essentially his argument is these two facts prove that Melchizedek is better than even the great patriarch Abraham. Verse 7, it is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. Now we kind of know this to be true, don't we? Like, um, I, don't, I don't know what you think about the Republic or the monarchy, but no one kind of rocks up to the king and blesses the king. You know, you're, you're, when you turn up to the king, you're blessed by the king. Uh, it's like when you ask... Anyway, we won't go there. It's like parents, um, they, you know, they don't look for blessing from their kids. Well, they shouldn't. Uh, they, you, know, you, you seek to bless their kids. Uh, see, what's his point in this four to six? Well, his point is, even the greatest of all people in the known world at the time, Abraham, he sought the blessing of Melchizedek. He freely, voluntarily offered tithes to him. And that's even before the Levites were a twinkle in the parents' eyes, right? You get that weird account in verse 9 and 10. Uh, he goes on to acknowledge in this weird way that the, the Levites, because Abraham tithed to Melchizedek, they, even though they had not born, they were in their you know, great-great-granddad's loins at the time, and so they kind of paid their tithes to Till Melchizedek too. What's his point? Melchizedek is a precedent. He's, he's far superior to the Levitical priesthood. The, the great patriarch tithe to him, look for the blessing. And you just you cannot compare these two priesthoods. Um, that's the first point. He, we have a precedent. And the, the, the Melchizedek is way better than the Levitical. Second point I want us to see in verses 11 to 21 is that God had promised for this to happen. God had promised for, this, for Jesus to come and have a priest in the order of Melchizedek. That's what's happening when he's quoting uh, those psalms, the Psalm 110 there, uh, in the two places in verse 17. Verse 17 says, you know, this is King David, a thousand BC, saying, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 21, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest of forever. I think his kind of point here is, 
This was always the plan of God. Jesus doesn't just pop up out of nowhere and appoint himself as a high priest, not in the Levitical line. No, a thousand years before, God declared that there would be one in the order of Melchizedek. And when Jesus turns up, he fulfills that promise. He's a, he's a fulfillment of the Old Testament priests. Now, I think it's saying that the system that the Jews had for 1,500-odd years was only ever temporary, was, only, was, was inferior and inadequate to do what God had intended a priest to fully do. So that's what he kind of says in verse 11, isn't it? Verse 11, he says, Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for underneath the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek, rather than the one named after the order of Aaron? See, see what he's saying there is the old system didn't bring about perfection. There was always a need. Uh, there was always, this, the law, this, the Levitical system, never made us perfect. In fact, what did that system do? Well, it kind of showed us how imperfect we were. It constantly showed us, time and time again, we needed forgiveness. We, we constantly fall short. See, the, the systems and the sacrifices that the Levitical priests offered, they didn't wash us clean perfectly. It wasn't a once-for-all cleansing. You had to keep coming back week after week, day after day. And he's saying, this isn't like Jesus. Jesus is a sacrifice once for all, and he makes us perfect. Um, secondly, it's temporary and inferior because it was never intended to save sinners. It was, it was actually useless that enables sinners to totally draw near to God. Have a look at verse 18 there. He says, For on the one hand... A former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. Wow. For the law made nothing perfect, but on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. So what's his point? It was, it was never intended to fully do what God wanted, like to fully draw us near to God, to bring us to perfection. It was like the, you know, it was, it was like the first version you know, who, who's got Apple iPhones? What version? Like, have you got a version 7, 7 or 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, you know, 13? You know, like, the, what's the go with that? They just keep upgrading, don't they? There's always something better coming out. It's new and improved. There's always new releases. And you can kind of just, you can be assured that there's going to be a better one that's going to turn up in six months with better skills. The Levitical priesthood was good, but there was always a better one promised. There was always one promise that was going to draw us near to God fully, finally, completely, perfectly. Uh, Jesus turns up and he's the upgrade to end all upgrades. There's no more versions coming. See, the reason God announced it is because it was temporary, it didn't fulfill it but that we would know when we see Jesus that he's the actually perfect completion of it. Friends, is Jesus qualified? Totally. We've got the precedent of Melchizedek, and, and the Melchizedek in priest line is way better than Levitical. Secondly, because God promised that one would come in the line of Melchizedek, and he would be able to draw us near to God as he promised. 
Now, I want to reflect with us of why this is such good news for us. There's loads of things in here, and I, just, I had to cut, cut all these points out. I've got three for us to reflect on of why it's such good news for us. The first one is because Jesus, he's a permanent priest who is able to save. Have a look at verse 23 there. See, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, that is Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. See, every Levitical priest throughout history died. <laughs> they, they, that's, it was always a temporary manner. It was never permanent. And, and it would be okay, sometimes you'd have a good priest, sometimes that'd be dodgy, but it was always like a lottery, right? You never know what you're going to get. Uh, and you never know if the next one was going to be like a flip phone, which is actually much worse than the old ones. You know, that's, you get the, the, dodge, the dodge one. Jesus, he's our permanent high priest, right? He's risen from the dead. He's alive forever, never to be destroyed, never to be voted out never to be superseded, never made redundant or replaced. He's always your great high priest. And verse 25, that means that he's able to save to the uttermost or completely or fully. What, what does Jesus save us from? It's not poor health. It's not our low self-esteem or our work stresses or our marriage and strained relationships challenges. No, Jesus came as the high priest to save us from God's wrath. He came to meet our greatest need of our sin. It's not to say that Jesus isn't interested in all the details of your life. He is. But he wants to deal with your heart issue, our heart issue, so that we today can draw near to God with assurance and confidence. Now, this is just an amazing news that we can build our life on it's like an anchor for the soul friends have you come to jesus your high priest have you drawn near to him the one who is able to save forever secondly why this is such good news is because jesus is the perfect priest who sacrificed himself see one of the problems in the pandemic wasn't it um wasn't that that the doctors who were trying to help us they would continually get sick <laughs> Uh, and so while they were trying to help, they were, they were weak themselves and they needed help themselves. The same issue with the Levitical priests. They, they were weak and needed help for their own sin themselves, but not with Jesus, who's the perfect high priest who sacrificed himself. Have a look in verse 26. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens, he has no need like those, of, like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first of all his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered himself up. Thankfully, God didn't just send another sinful guy in a long list of sinful men. No, he sent Jesus, perfectly qualified. He lived a holy life, sinless life, which means that we can trust him. He was tempted in every way. And remain pure. See, friends, Jesus isn't kind of like the high priest, you know, like, like a lawyer who's trying to negotiate terms of forgiveness for us. 
No, he's the high priest who offered the sacrifice for us. It's a once-for-all sacrifice. This has kind of got to flip our categories about what the high priest does, doesn't it? Our high priest becomes the sacrifice himself. Not a sacrifice of bull, the blood of bulls and goats, but he offers his own life on the cross. His own place. He fully steps in in place of sinners and absorbs the wrath of God for us once for all. See, the idea that Jesus' death needs to be repeated again and again is so counter to what Hebrews is arguing, isn't it? It's so counter. This, it's saying, no, he's a, it's a once-for-all death. It's a, it's a wrath-satisfying death, a death that pays all our debt fully. No more sacrifice needed. No, it's not like you need to pay money. No need to earn approval. No need to, for us to worry about future sins. Are they forgiven? No, every past, present, future sin paid in the death because it's a once-for-all death on our behalf. Friends, are you trusting in this high priest? Are you trusting his once-for-all sacrifice? See, his priestly sacrifice is a past tense. It's completely happened. Uh, but there is a ministry that this wants to reflect on, that's of Jesus' ongoing ministry, what he's presently doing now. Do you notice that in verse 25? Have a look there. This is my third point I want to reflect on. Is Jesus is the praying priest. Consequently, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus always lives to intercede for us, if you're a Christian. That means that right now, Jesus is praying for you. That's what it means to make intercession, to pray for you. See, what did Jesus do for you yesterday? He prayed for you. What did he do for you this morning? He prayed for you. What will Jesus be doing tomorrow in a month? He will be praying for you. What will Jesus be doing at your death? He will be praying for you. What is he praying? What's, how is that a comfort to us? I don't know if you've thought about that. What is actually Jesus interceding? What, what's he saying to his father? How is that comforting to us? I used to imagine kind of Jesus was kind of like a lawyer, you know, and he's got lots of people's cases. He's got a high workload and he pulls my case out and he goes, yep, Andy, mm. I know he's made all these promises to change and, yep, he's stuffed up again. You know, and he says to God the Father, can you just give him a break? You know, just for my sake, um, give him another chance. He means well, this guy. He means well. You know, Father, you, you owe me, right? You know, I did all that stuff. I went to earth and, you know, all that sort of stuff that you wanted. Please show him mercy. You know, and you kind of picture the Father reluctantly going, okay, all right, let's give him another chance, you know. So you get this picture of Jesus kind of trying to wheel and deal mercy out of the Father. Can I say that is not the prayer that Jesus is offering to the Father? Firstly, Jesus is not trying to twist, you know, manipulate the arm of an angry Father to forgive. No, it was the Father and the Son's plan to bring Jesus as a sacrificial priest all, from all times. It was being the plan from right from the beginning, from Melchizedek to David, to enable sinners to draw near to him. Secondly, 
And this is the thing I hadn't reflected on until this week. He's, he's, the, his prayer isn't a prayer for mercy in the sense that, oh, he's lost the case. You know, verse 20, like as in he's lost the case because he's stuffed up again. No, it's actually a prayer about what Jesus has done. Verse 27, Jesus has offered up himself once for all, the perfect life in our place, the perfect death in our place. And so the prayer for the Christian is a prayer to the Father, bring justice. Bring justice to this sinful person. I know you are holy. I know you are righteous. I know they are sinful, but I have made the payment. I have died in their place. And it would be unjust of you, Father, to require two payments to be made for their debt. I'm not asking for mercy here. I'm asking for justice. Your righteousness demands complete acceptance for this person throughout eternity. Wow. I was reflecting on that. And you know 1 John, chap, 1 John chapter, sorry, 1 John, I get confused there. 1 John chapter 1 verse 8. If you had time to move there. But you know, when we often pray our prayer of confession, it says, if we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful and just. He demands justice. And Jesus has brought about that justice by sacrificing himself as our high priest in our place. And now Jesus, at the Father's right hand, praying for you and I that God would be just, that he would accept us. Wow. Doesn't that bring confidence? Doesn't that bring assurance? You know, if you're trusting in Jesus as high priest, there is no sin that you will ever commit that Jesus won't pray for you. There's no sin that you'll ever commit that his death is not sufficient. And there's no sin that you'll ever commit and the prayer of God that that God will not want to answer because God is loving and just. Friends, Jesus is at the right hand, interceding for us now. We can draw near to him with confidence and assurance. Friends, I want to wrap up. The Bible is clear. We need a high priest. We need a qualified high priest, whether we think we do or not. And you know what? God has appointed one for us. It's, it's Jesus, the great high priest. We don't need any other earthly priests to pray on our behalf or to offer forgiveness. No, we've got Jesus. We can go straight to the one who's in the throne room at God's right hand. You can't get any closer to God than being in Jesus. You don't need a middleman. You don't need a a pastor or a priest. Friends, if you're thinking you're good enough and living as a priest yourself, I say loving, that's a dead end. You've got no hope. Jesus has done it for you. He sacrificed once for all. Go to him. Don't fool yourself and pretend that you can be your own priest. Friends, Jesus, he's in the order of Melchizedek. He is the permanent, perfect and praying high priest who gives us full assurance and confidence. Let's pray that we would come to him now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he is our king and our priest I thank you that he lives forever. Father, we thank you that he has paid the price once for all 
for our sin so that we can boldly draw near to you with confidence. Father, what a comfort and assurance it is that he lives to intercede for us now. Father, we pray that we would live radically transformed lives in light of this. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.